Welcome to Living Your Best Life podcast. I'm your host, Rebecca Miller. Today, I'm really excited to be joined by Michelle Chiavelli-Hedge. You may have read one of her books, The Healthy Hormone Diet, or her latest book, Eat, Drink and Still Shrink. Or you could have maybe seen her on stage sharing her knowledge. Michelle truly is changing the world and touches the hearts, minds of around a thousand individuals per week. Michelle shares her journey from the corporate world working for Microsoft to now being one of the world's leading nutritionists. This podcast is really one of my favourite. So grab a herbal tea, kick your feet up and listen in. This one is not to be missed. Thank you for joining me. Oh, Rebecca, thank you for having me on. I'm so excited. I know we talked about this uh, months ago and I'm, I'm thrilled to be on. So thank you for having me. So just so our viewers know, I um, met you at a conference around about 12 months ago and we've been trying to um, get this podcast where our schedules married up and um, what's finally happened. And I just remember sitting in that um, conference and you really touched my heart because you are a woman that is extremely busy um, you have been in the corporate world. You've, you, you know, you've come from being a Microsoft marketing manager and now going into all things nutrition. And what I really loved is that you really spoke to every woman. It was a woman's conference in that room, you know, talking about, um, you know, the effects of food and how it can actually fuel us, but it can also cause, uh, you know, side effects to us not being able to fire as well as we should be able to. And I loved the down-to-earth you know, information that you gave that it is okay to have a wine and it is okay to have a coffee, but just to really realise how our food, um, our food choices and our lifestyle choices can actually really um, contribute to our life. And um, so, you know, straight away went out and bought your books (laughs) and, um, you know, it's been amazing. And so, as I said, I'm just so excited that you're here um, with us. So for any of our viewers that don't know you, we would I would love you just to share a little bit of your story, um, how it started and how you've got to where you are today. Sure. Thanks, Rebecca. You make me laugh and smile uh, because uh, when I hear somebody um, introduce me like that, it makes me know that I'm doing my purpose. And I love being a nutritionist more than anything I I, I just adore it. I um, I've been mad about re- uh, be, being a GP um, my whole life. So that's actually where my journey started. Was I thought after I left Microsoft, I had my three children. I thought that I would go on and become a GP, and I still might. Um, I will definitely be doing my PhD, uh, but I might become a medical doctor. But I also come from a big Italian family, so there's a massive love of food, and I. Um, um, after I left Microsoft, I, I took a nutritional medicine class and I thought, this is exactly where I need to be. Um, with so much um, new evidence emerging in preventative well-being, um, I knew that this space was just about to explode. And uh, well, the last 15 years has uh, been exactly true to that. The area of wellness is absolutely exploding because we know now that nutrition has a knock-on effect to everything that we do. It has a knock-on effect to our energy, to our sleep, to the way we exercise. Heck, 
just the simple way we connect with one another um, is can be underpinned just by how we eat and what we eat. It's amazing. So obviously you did come from that corporate world. You've stepped into nutrition. Um, you know, you've written three books. You're offering um, whole food cooking classes, lots of different nutritional programs that are targeted to um, particular, you know, for, for pregnancy or fertility um, or for burnout. Um, you, you've got retreats. You've got, you're doing personal nutritional consultations you're speaking everywhere. Is it just <laughs> Australia, just Australia or globally? Globally, Rebecca, yeah, globally. Wow. Last year I was in Hong Kong and then Texas and this year I'm in Europe a bit and Singapore. So it's it's not just Australia that has harnessed um, the evidence-based research around nutrition, but it's worldwide because we have an epidemic of mental health disorders as well as cancer and autoimmune. So when when I talk about nutrition and its knock-on effect, it's not just the physical body. I talk, as you would have heard, as much about the mental body and our mental well-being as I do about our physical body. So the whole entire world is embracing this. And I think my former speaking career at Microsoft has allowed me to be able to be on stage and confident speaking in front of groups of people, but particularly busy people, people mm. that want, want health, but they don't want to be preached at. They want wellness, but they want a little bit of wine and coffee. And I get that. I always say, you know, I'm just your average mom who has three kids, a dumb dog and a hundred loads of laundry. I'm just like the rest of anybody else listening to this podcast. I, I always wanted well-being and strive for well-being, but, you know, often there's these fad diets or these restrictive approaches. And I think that's really what led me to write my third book, which is called Eat, Drink, and Still Shrink, A Joyful Guide for Living, because I want people to know that we don't need to be in a restrictive or uh, detoxing space to live life really well and to maintain uh, low inflammation and to maintain good blood glucose levels and all of those things have a knock-on effect to fabulous sleep and fabulous energy exactly the eat drink and still shrink book so just before eight weeks before christmas we actually in our community we did a mind belly and skin eight-week program where we was eating whole foods and a lot of your recipes was actually our go-to right they were simple very simple and my children would actually eat them. Um, and I shared those in our group and recommended your book because it's Excellent. just, it's such a great, easy to follow. It's tasty, the taste. Because, yes. you know, sometimes when you're dieting, it's it's not tasty, not dieting oh. or eating healthy. And, and Rebecca, I swore when I started my business, which is called a healthy view, right? Like a healthy view on life, not an extreme view. When I started my business, I, I, one of my missions was if it isn't easy and it isn't tasty and it isn't healthy and it isn't affordable, then it can't really be in under my umbrella of a healthy view because I don't want to make wellness and nutrition for the affluent person. I want wellness and nutrition to be people like 
my parents and my father-in-law that that don't even understand what coconut oil is about. For the average person that just shops at the local grocery store, sure, we can take health and wellness beyond that, but I wanted to make sure that the way I was speaking in my books and my programs and my recipe writing, that it made sense to everyone. And if it's tasty, easy, and affordable, then what happens, Rebecca, as you know, is it becomes repeatable. And then someone goes, hey, I've been kind of doing this wellness thing now for like 10 days and it hasn't felt painful. I love the recipes. I feel clearer. I feel good. I'm actually sleeping better. Hey, people in the cars are nicer to me. Well, actually, no one's being nicer to you in their cars. You're just being nicer to yourself because you've been given the tools so that it's not so restrictive. But you also cover everything from brain health to sleep to hydration, your, your hormonal health. There's so much in this book. that, But it's the great thing about it is it's in layman terms. So it's not like I, I didn't get lost in it. It was so easy to read. Great pictures. Who did you write this book for? Oh, so I've been a clinical practitioner while well, I've been running my own clinical practice with a team of qualified nutritionists for maybe 13 years now. So we see hundreds of patients throughout the week, as well as I speak on a regular basis at a school or a corporate or on television. So I'm touching the hearts and lives of a thousand people at least a week. So it was a culmination of taking on the evidence-based research that I love, but also what I see and the hearts that I touch in, in a clinical day, every single day, real life experience. And I wanted to be able to put that in layman's terms for people to read it and go, okay, this, this girl makes sense or this makes sense to me. It's not that complicated. But I, I really wrote the, well, I wrote the book for that reason, Rebecca, but what cemented me writing this book um, and being able to say to people, please enjoy a bit of coffee and wine and, and a treat every now and again is because, I, I don't know if you read the opening, but I dedicated the book to my younger brother, Greg. Yes. Yes. And he passed away a couple of years ago um, from the results of 9-11. Incredibly unexpected. He was a New York City fireman. He was one of the first first responders. And he ended up getting um, stage four lung cancer out of the blue when they had two little babies. He just had twins. And during the course of flying back from Sydney to New York every three weeks to take him to chemo, as he'd say, we'd go chemo casual shopping, um, I realized that life is very, very short, Rebecca, and very, very precious. And whilst I wanted Greg to have a green smoothie and bark at the moon and do yoga with me, he would say to me, Shelly, you know how this is going to go down? You're going to come over. You're going to visit me. You're going to have a wine. I'm going to have a beer. And it's all going to be good. And I was just like, you know what? I have to start to embrace that more, that there's a time and a place of being restrictive. Like in the month of February, I always do these cleanse at home programs. And that's a great time and a place to really knuckle down and, and to get back on top of our well-being. But for the most part, Rebecca, I want people to really enjoy delicious whole real food, have a bit of coffee, have a bit of wine, have a bit of chocolate. 
get on top of your weight. It doesn't have to be perfect because your well-being is not dictated by a number on a scale. Your well-being is dictated by your vitality, your energy, your ability to connect to other people, your life force. If people are carrying one or two extra kilos, I want them to banish that guilt. Mm. And that's one of the things that I really um, I really loved about that because, as I know for myself, there's been many a times that, um, you know, that we do beat ourselves up if, if you know, when, when you do have, you know, those um, times that we sort of fall off the wagon, as, as they say, but um, and, and the guilt that goes with that, I think that's something that, um, you know, that, you know, we, we have to come to terms with that it's, it is okay to live. Absolutely. And, and, and falling off the wagon happens to the best of us. Myself, I've just come back from a holiday with my family in Hawaii and I was having a walk up the hill a couple of days ago and I thought, oh, gee, I'm feeling a little chub-chub there around my tummy. And then I just thought to myself, you know what, Michelle, can you just reflect on how lucky you were to be able to go on a holiday? How lucky I was to be able to afford to go out to eat? How lucky I am to, to know that I trust in the process of nutrition and well-being and know that I can get back to my healthy body and my healthy mind within days of coming back to feeding myself and sleeping and hydrating well, I, and that I know and that I trust in that process enough. So I think it's how we, one, learn to trust this amazing process of nutritional transformation, but also stop beating ourselves up for sure. Mm, it's amazing. So you, your your other book, the Healthy Hormone um, book, um, to, to, I, I'm just about to jump on and buy it. I've actually just had, read all the reviews. It's it's, it's it looks amazing as well. So how important do our food choices and lifestyle affect our hormones? Well, thank you for bringing that up because I loved writing that book, The Healthy Hormone Diet. So people will look at that book and immediately think, oh, it's about menopausal women or it's about teenage acne, when actually it's not. It's about all the hormones in our body from cortisol and stress to thyroid hormone, which affects everything in our body, to serotonin, which is our happy hormone. Um, it does talk a little bit about our sex hormones, our estrogen, our progesterone, our testosterone. It talks a lot about the hormone of insulin. So I talk about all of those hormones. And what I saw happening time and time again in our clinical practice and in research is that people were getting incredibly frustrated with their weight loss or their weight gain or their lack of sleep or stubborn weight loss or flat moods. And they were quite often blaming themselves and taking it on themselves when what they didn't realize is their hormones may have gotten slightly out of whack from lifestyle choices and that through corrective lifestyle choices, we could rectify that. So for example, 
people might be experiencing extreme stubborn weight loss, and they may not realize that that is purely being driven by their cortisol levels. And their cortisol levels are being driven by their mad stress and their blood sugar swings of high, high blood sugar, low blood sugar, high blood sugar, low blood sugar. And that's creating another stressor in the body. Any of those stressors are driving somebody's cortisol. So how do we lower that? So I talk about that in the book. I talk about the hormone of serotonin, which is my favorite hormone to talk about because we all need more serotonin. Who doesn't want more of that happy hormone? And I talk about ways to improve that just through food. I really, really loved writing that book as well. And it's case studies of real life people that then went on TV with me and are in the book and are often appear on my social media talking about their journeys and, and, and shifting their hormones. And in that transformation. So obviously when it does come to, you know, obviously gut health's a big buzzword at the moment. And, um, you know, when we know that, um, you know, serotonin is you know, when we talk about that happy hormone, um, how important is our gut health? Uh, it's incredibly important, Rebecca. And that goes back to one of the um, questions or the subjects that you and I had touched on during the conference is sugar. So my first book that I wrote is called Feeding Sugar Addictions for Dummies. And Wiley Publishing actually asked Sarah Wilson to write the book. And Sarah Wilson said, I can't write that book. I'm not a qualified nutritionist, but I know this fabulous New Yorker who talks about sugar endlessly and has been researching it. So sugar, let's just take this again in very layman's terms. When we have uh, an abundance, or not even abundance, but just an everyday stream of added sugars in our diet, even coming from the healthiest of foods, that sugar creates what we call dysbiosis in our gut. So that dysbiosis is about unbalancing the good bacteria and the bad bacteria. So dysbiosis often appears in it in our gut as, mm, gee, either, oh dear, I've got constipation or, oh dear, I've got diarrhea or alternating between the two, or adding to that puffy tummy, painful tummy, bloated tummy, right? So this is dysbiosis, mm. all looking like IBS kind of symptoms, right? So let's take that one step further. If that isn't enough happening from added sugars, then let's add the thought, the fact that it is when we where our serotonin is created, it's in our gut, this is why our gut health is so important. Not only does our immune system lie just below the surface of our gut, Rebecca, but also it is the place of 85% of our serotonin mm. is created in our gut, not in our brain. So when we are feeding ourselves a diet of real whole food in a combination of good fats, quality proteins, some good smart carbs, packed out with fiber, antioxidants, doesn't it make sense that we're giving our bodies the maximum amount of opportunity to create the most amount of serotonin possible? And it's just, yeah, it's just going to have that knock-on effect. Absolutely. And I, know, and I know that when we were at the conference, when we were talking about what the normal amount of sugar is to what most people have. <laughs> yes. 
What what was that again, Michelle? Because yes, sure, sure. So the world the World Health Organization says for optimum amount of health, any kind of health, whether we're talking about autoimmune, cardiovascular, brain health, cognitive function, hormonal health, maximum is six added teaspoons a day. But the average Australian, even though the average is getting less, it was forty three when I wrote eating sugar addictions for dummies, 43 teaspoons a day. Now, now 2020, the average Australian is probably still having about 35 to 37 teaspoons of sugar a day. So people often shake their head. Maybe even people listening to this podcast will go, oh, well, no way, that's not me. But in that conference, if you remember, Rebecca, I like to show people and just for the people listening now, I'll just throw out some examples. A normal healthy muesli bar often will have six to eight teaspoons of sugar. A banana muffin, when did they become a size of a doorstop, right? A banana muffin will often have about 10 to 12 teaspoons of sugar. A healthy smoothie, like a blueberry blast um, from, you know, from some of our, you know, biggest, healthiest cafes, can have up to 22 teaspoons of added sugar in it. Now, people's perception is blueberry blast, boost juice smoothie, that's healthy. What we need to start to do is start to really hone down on how much added sugar is in our food. Um, Let me give you another example. Um, uh, Gatorade or sports drinks, often eight to 10 teaspoons of sugar. A Coca-Cola, 10 teaspoons. A ginger beer, 14 teaspoons. So it's easy to see how in a day, even the best of us can be consuming over 30 teaspoons of sugar. And that sugar adds to inflammation. It adds to insulin resistance. It leads to things like prediabetes. It leads to stubborn weight gain. It leads to highs and lows. And so feeling like we have ADHD or anxiety or depression when we really don't, it's just that our mental health is being high hijacked by all this added sugar yeah because obviously because it affects the insulin correct it not only affects insulin rebecca it affects um it affects inflammation severely so one of the greatest things that one of the the biggest disturbers of inflammation in our body that we take in is sugar will Excess alcohol, will excess coffee, um, will other things lead to inflammation? Yes, but nothing that I know of inflames the body more than sugar. And it's also been related to those, um, you know, Alzheimer's and dementia. You know, there there is a proven link now. That's correct. We'll see a lot in in 2020 um, on a topic what I call um, type 3 diabetes. It's actually not what I call. It's what the Journal of Neurology calls type 3 diabetes. And the massive amount of research that's being done about We know that type 1 diabetes is an autoimmune um, condition. We know that type 2 diabetes is a lifestyle. We know now that type 3 diabetes is, there is a connection there in what is happening in the vascular network of the brain. So the same way in type 1 and type 2 diabetes, um, the network to our kidneys and the capillaries and the vascular network is disrupted there, we're seeing the same kind of disruption in the brain affecting cognitive function for Alzheimer's and dementia. No, it's just fascinating, isn't it? And just to, mm. 
And so, like, I know that it always comes back to fruit as well. I know that fruit is a natural sugar. So, obviously, what's so how does our body um, break down a natural sugar to a non natural sugar? What's the difference? Right. So, um, I am a nutritionist who believes in fruit. Um, So I say for the average person who would probably be listening to this podcast, I'm assuming that the audience would be probably 30 to 50 50 or 60-year-old females. We're not professional athletes. So one or two pieces of fruit a day I think is perfectly fine for us. Um, For those of you who are really trying to hone in on your weight, I would always go for the lower sugar fruits. So the fruit and sugar... Remember, fruit always comes with its skin and its fiber. So when we have fruit or fructose in that form, it does not spike the blood sugar because fiber dampens down blood sugar spikes. So so to give you a perfect example of this, uh, Rebecca, let's say if I had a can of Coca-Cola, right, and I drank that, that would spike my blood sugar. If I had a glass of juice, fruit juice, that would spike my blood sugar because that fruit juice doesn't have fiber in it. So I always say to people, please eat the whole fruit and skip the fruit juice. Mm, yep. Because I know with my children, they're, they're because I don't have fruit juice in the house, only because I know there is a lot of added sugar into them as well. And it's just- yes. Um, you know, added sugars into so many things if you actually turn it over. So is, is sugar, is it hidden? Is there hidden words in that? Oh, yes. There's 20, there's, there's so many disguises for sugar. So if you see, you know, fruit corn syrup or you see fructose, high fructose corn syrup, um, so many different names for sugar that's disguised. And I always say, if sugar is in the first three ingredients of a product, then really go to the, take it one step further and look at the sugar grams on the label. Now to get it, this isn't a perfect science, Rebecca, but this is enough for your listeners to, to kind of get a sense of this. If you're guessing that this product that you're about to eat is high in sugar, Look at the sugar grams and divide by the number four. So, for example, in a can of Coca-Cola, I would pick that up and I would see that that the sugar grams is 40 grams. Well, that doesn't make any sense to me until I divide by four. Then I go, oh, that means it has 10 teaspoons of sugar per can. Again, let me give you one more example. If I have a... Um, healthy looking yogurt and I pick up that healthy looking yogurt but I notice that it has 28 grams of sugar I divide that 28 by four and I go oh dear that's seven teaspoons of sugar well wait a minute what does the world health organization say for maximum optimal health we should be only having six but wait a minute I have two of these healthy yogurts a day, which a lot of people do, which I did when I was studying to become a nutritionist, right? So just start to be aware. Don't be terrified, uh, but start to be aware when we're not eating real whole food, 
and we're picking up packaged and processed food, which we do. I have three children like you, right? I live in the real world. I pick it up and I just have a quick glance to say, is that really high in sugar? And if it is, do I really need it? Or could I just be picking up a piece of fruit and a handful of nuts? Or could I have eaten more at lunch and packed my lunch out with a bit of more protein so that I'm not snacking later on? Because mm, I know when it comes to the, the to even to my children, sometimes it's really difficult, you know, especially if you're rushing from sport to sport to, you know, and it's, you know, it's it's something that um, I think all mums, when it comes to their children, could potentially um, it can be a bit of an issue, you know, just those oh, things. For sh- oh, for sure. Absolutely. Even, even my children are a bit older now and still, they still live with me. And I think the thing is to lead by example and do do the best that we can. Start thinking about packing in so much whole real food into your kitchen, into your pantry, into your refrigerator that we can start to let go of the junk food of the past. And I also think in the beginning of creating a wellness home and a wellness kitchen, it takes time and planning. You need free recipes that are on my site, A Healthy View, or go to my social media, Instagram. There's lots of free recipes. Start to collect these recipes. Start to keep books. Purchase my books as well as many other books. But start to create a few staple recipes that you know that your family loves so much that they don't feel like they're in deprivation. And then all of a sudden you see that your kids start to create these habits. And I know now I have a 22 year old son who is a rugby player and he's constantly eating, but he makes sure that he eats three really good quality meals a day. And occasionally he'll come home and I'll say, Oh mom, Oh, my stomach, it's so bloated. And I'll say, Oh, what, what, did, what do you think happened? He said, I know what happened. We stopped at Mac is on the way home from rugby. So I I love the fact that he has connected his own dots and that I've I've helped cultivate that happen. And I encourage all the moms who are in our clinical practice as well as who I speak to, lead by example, don't get crazy. Remember using the philosophy to crowd in, you know, crowd in as much good and then you won't worry so much about the junk food you leave behind. And I think preparation is definitely a massive thing just to, I know I always have meal prep Sundays and it just sets you up for success. It really does. Like Uh, having a plan is essential. Oh, absolutely. And and Rebecca, I I see some of my patients are the top CEOs of banks, politicians, incredibly successful people. And they may have heard me talk and they'll say, wow, Michelle, everything that you talk about makes so much sense. It's incredible how much sense you make. But gee, that's going to take a little time and planning. And I, I pause, I give them a good stare in the eye. And I say, Everything that you have succeeded at in life has taken time and planning. To be the CEO of this business, to be the the successful politician that you are, whatever it might be, has taken time and planning. Why wouldn't you do that for your most important asset, your body and your brain? 
And, and, you know, years ago, Rebecca, 1990, I, I moved to Australia and I got to work at Microsoft and I got to work along the likes of people like Steve Jobs and Apple. And I always say this, that man, Steve Jobs, had all the money in the world, but he couldn't buy his health back. So why don't we take time to do a bit of planning and a bit of prep? Good on you for doing that on Sundays. Yeah, and I and I always share it with um, you know on all my um, social medias, and it's amazing the people that go, oh my goodness, what is that? What is it? What is it? What have you got for the week? It's just amazing, and I just do lots of veggies. Um, you know, it's just it's just amazing when you actually take the time. And you, you're never hungry because you know exactly what you're going to have. You've yes. got your meals that have got your, you know, your, your good protein, your good carbohydrates, um, your good fats, um, and obviously your, um, lots of antioxidants, you know, mixed berries and things like that, um, and also fibre. And um, just making sure that you've got those few things in there, it's just it's amazing. And you're not hungry. Absolutely. And not only that, Rebecca, not only is it is it saving you from what what I see happening quite often is if people haven't planned what when their blood sugar dips, they'll reach for anything because they're starving. Right. So so you've prevented that. Like what I say is preventative hunger. Right. So you've, you've got that plan. But also people don't realize by planning and cooking like that, it saves you an enormous amount of time and an enormous amount of money. Exactly. It's mm. amazing, isn't it? Now, I see that you actually offer um, whole food cooking classes, Michelle. Yes, we do here in Sydney. I have, I work with a team. Uh, with a, with a, with a, yes, I know. Aren't I am so lucky, Rebecca. I, you know, I think you already saw me on uh, stage, but every aspect of my job from writing to cooking to running retreats, I absolutely love. So yeah, very, very lucky. But yes, we do run whole food cooking classes. Uh, there's one coming up in February in Sydney. We run personal consultations all around the world. A lot of our clients we just see on Skype or phone. Um, we also see them in our clinical practice. And I'm um, doing a retreat this year in New Zealand at, in Aroha, which is the most amazing divine wellness retreat. And, and the- yeah, and I'll continue writing. Yeah, this is the retreat that um, the Cleanse and Nourish retreat, and this really intrigued me because it really focuses on the toxicity in our bodies. So obviously things like brain fog, decreased memory retention, addiction to caffeine and sugar, constipation, stress, fatigue, dull inflamed skin, depression and anxiety, the list goes on, things that we can all relate to um, and that this program actually sets you up for long-time health and well-being improvements. So how does how does that work? Because I know that you, you, you there's there's a sort of a pre-retreat, um, you know. Uh, so um, so what how how cleanse at home um, came about, Rebecca? Is I was running um, 
something called a cleanse and nourish around the world for, for many years. And that would make that would take people out of their homes to different places around the world that we went. And they were incredibly effective. I, I worked with people the week before we left. Uh, the week we were there, we would take a deep dive into their personal well-being. And then I would follow them for the next two weeks. So all in all, it was about four weeks of me sort of hand-holding them and getting their nutrition right. And then a lot of my clients said, you know what, Michelle, I can't get away from work, but I'm Sydney based. And um, would you run these in small groups? We, I would probably say one of the most effective things that we do at a healthy view is to run these small group sessions. There's something about the power of a group and the camaraderie and the bouncing of ideas that happens. Um, so we meet for four consecutive weeks. Um, some people do this cleanse at home just one-on-one with us because they're not based here in Sydney, but they follow um, the, the whole guidelines and the daily emails that we send out and then they meet with us on Skype once a week. So they're just really effective. And basically the principles of cleanse at home or cleanse and nourish are exactly the same principles as the healthy hormone diet. The healthy hormone diet book is my cleanse at home program. So, so you'll see what you'll see in the book. It actually goes from day one to day 28. And it is a combination of using whole real foods and also using a bit of food combining. And while we use that, why we use that, Rebecca, is the whole thing about doing a cleanse is not about starvation, because I don't like starvation at all. It's Uh about nourishing somebody, but yet feeling light enough in the digestion that it frees our energy so that we have more time for uh, you know, that we have more brain power, we have the more ability to exercise. So I don't, I use food combining so we don't bog down somebody's digestion. And I have been using the same program, oh, probably for 17 years now, and not much has changed. And I don't think I have ever had one client, one patient that has ever said to me, Michelle, this hasn't worked for me. I would say 98 percent of our patients would go, Michelle, I want to continue doing this forever. And I say, you can continue doing it, but don't do it forever. Use it as a tool so that when you're feeling stodgy, run down, or you're having poor sleep or mental fatigue, go back to the principles of of cleanse and nourish. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's how we use it in our clinical practice. That's an amazing go-to because it's, I guess I'm always really surprised because realistically, if we fuel our body with the right foods, if we hydrate ourselves, if we keep active, we take some time for self-care, but also get enough sleep, you know, the difference that those simple things that are free, (laughs) (laughs) all I think know what we need to do. Um, And I'm somebody that always bangs on about sleep. I'm somebody that has to have my seven to eight hours. I know with looking after people's skin as a skin expert, um, sleep is something that we definitely cover in our consultations. Um, And, I mean, I guess, and a lot of people sort of, um, I guess really we take our sleep for granted. And, you know, it is something that I noticed that you actually educate as well. I mean, it is the, it is really 
the, we have the pinnacle. We have to make sure that our body gets enough sleep, our brains, everything. Definitely we recalibrate. What What have you seen over your years? You know, when it does come to sleep, I, I think I I always used to say that sleep, nutrition, and exercise is a three prong approach, um, and it is the trifecta of well being. Now I don't say that because I think um, we need to add in a fourth one, which is our stress management tool or a stress buster. So whether that's walking, yoga, or meditation, but let's just go back to sleep for a moment. I think sleep is the most important of all of them. Because if we don't sleep well, Rebecca, we tend not to eat well and we tend not to exercise well. But here's the thing. How we sleep affects what we eat. But what we eat affects how we sleep. Mm. So every all of those things, that the, the wellness trifecta that I talk about, each of those things has a knock-on effect to one another. So let me give you an, a perfect example of this. Somebody who might be listening to this podcast might be type A female, busy running a home, perhaps a business, and children and laundries and dogs and looking after everyone except themselves, probably not really feeding themselves super well during the day, get the kids to bed, get the laundry done and go, oh, you know what? I deserve a little bit of something. I'm going to have one of those yogurts or a muesli bar or some of those fat-free jelly snakes, not realizing they're taking on some added sugar. They get into bed and all of a sudden this very tired person becomes tired but wired. The next thing, they are not sleeping. They have all this monkey chatter going on in their brain. And instead of going to sleep at 10 o'clock, now it's nearly 12 o'clock. And the alarm clock goes off in the morning and you go, gee, I didn't really get to bed. So I'm going to sleep in a little bit more because I don't want to um, run to the exercise class. Then you beat yourself up about not going to the exercise class and see these things become a vicious circle. So, and also when we're sleeping also, we know that we have a hormone called leptin, which I talk about also in the healthy hormone diet. And leptin is like the Meghan Markle of uh, hormones, right? Everybody wants to know more about this. So the more leptin we have created in our body naturally through sleep, we know sleep improves our leptin, that leptin sends a signal to our brain and says, I'm satiated. I have a feeling of fullness. I'm not hungry all the time. So we love leptin. We don't really like the other um, opposing hormone called ghrelin. And we know that sleep helps improve our leptin levels. Lots of research being done in that space, but important to know that people should think of sleep as an anti-aging tool. Mm. It's just amazing, isn't it? Because I know even for myself when I have been sleep deprived. And would you say this is something that you've learned from your own experience as well? Oh, Oh, absolutely. In my book, Eat, Drink and Still Shrink, I talk about my life in the corporate world in the first couple of pages, how I would go from a size eight dress to a size 16 dress over months. My weight was absolutely seesawing. And that was not only from poor food choices occasionally, but a lot of my weight was just being driven by super, super high cortisol, which affects your insulin, which is your fat storage hormone but also was being absolutely driven by my lack of sleep. So just lack of sleep, Rebecca, can affect somebody's insulin level. 
Our insulin is our fat storage hormone. So let's say somebody eats well, somebody has their stress under control, but is a really, really bad sleeper. They can really, really create dysfunctional insulin just because of sleep. And that would interrupt their gut health as well. Oh, absolutely. It would have a knock-on effect to everything in our body. Yeah, absolutely. That's amazing, isn't it? So inflammation is something as a skin expert that we're seeing arise, obviously, with a combination of poor lifestyle, poor nutrition, um, hormonal changes, the increase in oxidative stress and inflammation. Um, Are you seeing a lot more skin um, conditions presenting themselves, such as your your inflammatory skin conditions, such as pigmentation, acne, um, you know, your, your, your dermatitis and, of course, glycation, which yes. we see a lot of. Are you seeing a rise in these? Um, I would say we always have, Rebecca, um, rosacea, um, rosacea, all of those things, right? So we, in our clinical practice, we see everything from depression to anxiety to autoimmune conditions to inflammatory conditions, cardiovascular disease, weight. So I would say, um, I wouldn't say would say that we we have seen a particular rise in this. I'd say we've had a steady influx since the day we opened our doors. Um, And I think that people, once they... even even two weeks, Rebecca, of a cleaned up diet with some personalized advice, or maybe not even personalized advice, just by reading some good good books, people go, "Wow, my skin is looking so good. I've been drinking more. I've been eating better foods. I let go of that sugar. Wow, the redness is gone. My wrinkles seem to have disappeared a little bit because I look like I'm hydrated. Boom, ticking all the boxes." And it's funny because, as is, you know, obviously that's what I do. I look at skin all the time and I get so surprised. And I say to people, if just today you just leave and we can correct your, you know, sleep, we can get you eating better, we can actually get in you drinking more water. You know, there's some people that I see, uh, Michelle, that have no water at all. <laughs> Same. Same. It's really frightening. And I and, and I and I and I think to myself, I wonder what the heck their bowels are doing, because all that fiber would just be so congested. So they probably have constipation, mm-hmm. which of course we know when people have gut issues, it's often reflected in their face. I mean, rosacea, you know, we see we get somebody on a good probiotic and we clean up their diet. We see rosacea dampening down within you know, sometimes even even a week. But um, but no, I am equally surprised when I say to people at three o'clock in the afternoon, how much water have you had today? And they say, oh, I had a sip of water when I brushed my teeth this morning. And I go, oh, no. So what would you say, you know, talking about water, what, how much is, how much water should you be drinking? I think the average person should aim for two liters a day, Um, you know, depending on the heat and the amount of exercising that we're doing, that could go up. But I think asking somebody to drink two, two liters of water a day is not impossible. I say to all of our clients and my whole, all of our team says the same message to all of our clients. When you wake up in the morning, even if you're busting to go to the bathroom, Start your day with one glass of water. 
Mm-hmm. And, and 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 that will get one done and out of the way as you raise yourself to the toilet. But if you make a commitment to doing that and starting your day with that, it'll eventually become a habit. Mm-hmm. And the more water we drink, the more water we want. So it will start this sort of nice, again, knock-on effect to hydrating ourselves. Mm, which is amazing. And I think that's what it all comes down to is just creating little habits um, that are going to, you know, where you'll see results um, and that it is okay to, you know, sometimes, you know, if you've got a birthday dinner or, um, you know, and I guess the big thing is too is seeing a lot of people actually medicate themselves, obviously, with wine or coffee or cigarettes or, you know, because they are feeling so stressed out. Um, And then, uh, then as we've said before, it has that knock-on effect to poor sleep, weight gain, um, where you're feeling anxious, um, you know, all those things, the inflammation in your skin. Yes. Uh, it's just a complete knock-on effect. You've given us so much information. And, and Rebecca, just I'll just uh, I just want to add one thing to that that I see constantly. And also I was in this place when I worked at Microsoft and had three young babies, is when all that stuff is happening to you. You lose your sense of your self-confidence. You lose your self-esteem and you lose yourself. And in that process, you lose the ability to connect to the people that you love the most. And I think when I think about true well-being, I think about vitality, energy, and I think about the ability to connect. And when I'm not feeling good about myself, I'm not connecting with those people that I love. So it is my hope for everyone that's listening to this is that if I can help in one small way or you can help Rebecca in one small way, we're doing what we're meant to be doing. <laughs> oh, that's exactly right. Wow, that's so amazing. I loved, I love what you just said. So I have to ask you, um, just now, uh, just before we finish up this podcast, thank you so much. It's been amazing. I've got so much out of it and I know that our listeners are definitely going to, you know, get so much out of this because it is just, you know, um, easy to listen to advice and um, I just love it. So thank you, Michelle. But I have to ask you, what's the best piece of advice that you've been given? Hmm. hmm. Worst one piece of advice would be at the moment where I am in my life as a woman in my 50s with growing children and a busy life is not to take an extreme approach, Yeah, to keep an open mind. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which I really like because I know for myself, everything that I've, uh, you know, and I'm mid-40s now, um, and I've, you know, everything was always when I was gymming, it was extreme. Um, <laughs> yes. Everything was everything when I'm eating well, it's extreme. Like, um, and now I've actually got a lot more relaxed approach to everything and that I don't have to go and kill myself at the gym. Mm. Um, but I can just go for a beautiful walk in the morning and it doesn't have to be an hour where, you know, you're exhausted by the time you, you <laughs> I think that, oh, I, I love that. And I think, a lot of a lot of women will be able to actually, um, and even men. You know, men seem to be able to, you know, bust. You know, be it can be extreme as well. I think all of us, it's in us, isn't it? For sure. Extreme. So, what are some of your daily habits and rituals that help to balance your life? Mm. 
Well, I wake up every morning and I start my morning with a big glass of water. That's the first thing I do. Um, I try the night before to sort of pre-plan what my day is going to look like. Um, as you know, I travel a lot for work and have an incredibly busy life, which I love, but it's still busy. So I often have to think about where my exercise is going to be. I like to exercise in some way every day. So some days that might be Pilates, some day that might just be a walk, some days that might be a spin class. Um, but I like to get some type of exercise every day and I prefer if it's outside. So I'm getting my vitamin D and my exercise in one hit. Um, I definitely try to make sure that if I, at lunchtime that I sit and actually eat mindfully, that I take the 15 minutes and I just go, wow, look what I'm eating. This is great. I love the salad with flax seeds on it. And I love the taste of the cheese in it. And I'm mindful because... Oh, boy, if, when you read the beginning of Eat, Drink, and Still Shrink, you can see that I'm such a type A personality that likes to go 100 miles an hour. So I really love this new habit that I've incorporated, which is, you know, just mindful eating. And um, just uh, so, yeah, so exercise, mindful eating, definitely hydration and absolutely I guard my sleep with my life mm -hmm. I do not compromise I do not say to people I'm sorry I'm slipping off and going to bed early I do not say I'm sorry I can't make a 8 30 dinner reservation I just quietly and humbly go about navigating my way so I know that I'm always in bed every night by 9 30 10 o'clock yeah I'm exactly the same I'm in bed at 9 9 30 um, and then I try and do a bit of reading and then lights out always before 10. Yeah. Right. So obviously our pod, my podcast is Living Your Best Life. So what does that, what does living your best life mean to you? Oh, my living my best life, as I think I mentioned to you, is again currently, and I think these change all the time for us, depending where we are, where our children are, where our families are. But for me, living my best life, Oh, make, you know, this made me cry, <laughs> is um, feeling so good about myself that I can truly be present and be there for people. Oh, I love that. Mm. I love that. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you. So, obviously, um, what's next for you? What's, what's, what's next? What's happening in 2020 and beyond? Well, this year I've decided that I won't write a bite, but I write a book uh, because my last two books, um, The Healthy Hormone Diet and um, and Eat, Drink, It Still Shrink, they came out within a, in a year of each other. So this year I'll take a little bit of a break from that. I'm definitely going to continue writing, but I won't um, I won't publish a book this year. And I'm just going to do lots more speaking. I'm an ambassador for Cure Cancer, and um, I will continue doing wonderful things for them and I'm also an ambassador for well I'm not an ambassador but I'm a, a big donator to the food and mood center out of Deakin yes. University which does research so I want to be really rallying my colleagues my nutritional colleagues and dietitians to say it is our job 
to give back to these places and to rally and support them in in different ways. So I see uh, a big part of 2020 for me this year, not only doing what I love, speaking on stage and seeing clients, but uh, but also um, doing those donations and, and giving back. Yeah, the contribution part. Um, so um, this is probably a good time to tell you. Last year I um, shaved my head with um, a beautiful girlfriend of mine that was diagnosed with breast cancer and we oh. raised $26,000 for um, Love Your Sister Foundation and the local can assist. And in June wow. this year I'm actually running from my hometown here to Sydney, which is 353 Ks. And we're raising money, obviously, for childhood cancer and to try and find, build awareness and help contribute to a cure. So, oh, that's amazing, Rebecca. Please share that with me so I can share with my community. Oh, I'd love, I'd love that. We're actually just getting in right now and really plugging it. I was meant to actually do it in August last year, but I, I got injured. And I've had to have seven seven months off. I, I, I tore my basically my hip flexors, and um, so I've had to to sit back and and it's been a really big um, to get my mindset back into it. But it just um, I can just honestly say with my hand on my heart, just having this conversation with you today has just given me, um, you know, just it's really given me a lot of inspiration. And I mean, just a little quick chat like this for you know today was. You know, when things are meant to just happen at the right time, today was a really good time for us to have a chat. Everything that you've said to on this today in this podcast, I know you're going to be touching our viewers, but you've really helped me with a lot of questions that I've probably um, had around, you know, health and nutrition at the moment. And probably, you know, even that um, that self, you know, that con- you know that self confidence mm-hmm. with not being able to train and you know th- you know things like that because it was quite um, you know I was up to really training I was running about forty five k's a day so I was really wow doing that. and then just to have I got to the point where I couldn't walk and I just thought that I was sore and I was kept pushing through it. And, um, yeah, and then I realised I had to go and have scans and I was lucky that I didn't have to have an operation. So right, um, yes. back into the training and I've actually, had, the outlook of it's changed too, of making it a little bit more fun. Yeah, um, good. More time and I'm actually going to visit schools along the way. And um, so I've started the Ripple of Kindness Project, which is a movement just about being kind to each other and I think it's something that's so important. Um, and yeah, so hopefully I will share it with you because we need as many people to share it as possible. And my goal is to raise a hundred thousand dollars. So, um, amazing, fabulous. So, um, so I love that contribution part. It's, it does, it lights up, it really lights your heart up. And I love, I love that part. I love that we get to do that. We, and that we've got the opportunity to do that as well. Yes. Indeed. So indeed. Our listeners, I know a lot of people are going to want more. Where can they find you? Oh, just pop on to www.ahealthyview.com. Instagram is a healthy view. Always lots of free recipes on Instagram, as well as my Facebook, which also is um, a healthy view. Um, LinkedIn as well. Feel free to reach out to me direct on Michelle with one L, M-I-C-H-E-L-E at a healthy view.com. And I always say this to everybody, Rebecca, that I finished speaking with. 
when you reach out to us, whether it's through social media or direct, please never, ever say, oh, Michelle, I'm sorry to interrupt, because I will always say this. Anybody that's listening to me is not my interruption. They are my purpose. So thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you, Michelle. Um, it's just been an absolute honour to be able to have this conversation with you and I'm I'm just completely humbled and blessed that you've come on and been a part of Living Your Best Life where we get to speak to extraordinary people just like you to be able to share your expertise, knowledge, skills and lessons of your life um, to be able to contribute to making other people look on ways that they can be living their best life. So I've I honour you and thank you very much. 